Hello everyone, my name is Oldar. Welcome to another episode of Ask Me About North Korea, a podcast about the most reclusive country in the world. In this podcast, I'm answering the most widespread questions about North Korean politics, society, and culture, in a short and concise manner, based on factual evidence. If you like this podcast, I would be grateful if you could share it with your friends, leave a positive review, make a donation, or subscribe. You can also visit the podcast website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. There you can access episode transcripts, as well as some other materials, such as book reviews, film recommendations, and online events. As the name of the podcast suggests, please feel free to ask me questions in your comments and reviews. I will do my best to answer them in the next episodes. And now, let's start. So, today I would like to do some news coverage from the past week. If some of you have been following the news on North Korea, South Korea, or the United States, you most likely know that a major meeting between the US President Joe Biden and South Korean President Moon Jae-in took place on May the 21st. This was a part of Moon's five-day state visit to the United States, where he took part in a number of other meetings, both with the business people, Congress representatives, and, of course, with the President and Vice President of the United States. The meeting between Biden and Moon produced a very comprehensive joint statement emphasizing cooperation in climate change, global health, sustainable development, and even democracy in Myanmar. But, most importantly, it also outlined their joint approach towards North Korea, which is exactly what I'm going to talk about in this podcast episode. Why did the meet in the first place? Why does it matter? And will the meeting change anything in the relations of both countries with North Korea? Let me briefly explain the political context of this meeting. The United States and South Korea have been very close allies ever since the end of the Second World War, and Washington has actively supported Seoul in its confrontation with Pyongyang. South Korea and US have a very close economic relationship, with South Korea being America's sixth biggest trading partner and the US being South Korea's second one. Together, both nations also form a military alliance, which has been one of the centerpieces of the Northeast Asian security system for decades. In that context, high-level meetings between South Korean and American presidents and other senior officials do happen quite regularly, to coordinate policy positions on many things, and especially on North Korea, which both nations see as a security challenge. So, what is so special about this meeting? Just before the 2021 meeting took place in May, the Biden administration completed its North Korea policy review after intensive consultations with Seoul. This happened at the end of April, just a tiny bit before Moon's trip. Ahead of the meeting, officials from both countries deflected views that the engagement-oriented Moon and more cautious Biden are far apart on how to approach North Korea. While the policy review document hasn't been made available in open access, the Biden administration has made the following statements after the review was publicly announced. 1. Denuclearization of both the Korean Peninsula and North Korea were proclaimed to be the ultimate goal of the policy. What is curious, the phrases Korean Peninsula and North Korea are sometimes used together and sometimes interchangeably. 2. 
Washington will not strive to solve the nuclear issue in just one go through some sort of grand bargain, unlike under Trump. 3. Washington will commit to engaging diplomacy with Pyongyang, unlike during the Obama years, when North Korea was completely ignored. 4. Washington wants to negotiate with Pyongyang through incremental steps that make meaningful progress toward reducing the nuclear threat. This probably sounds somewhat boring to you, and I have to agree that this is definitely not politically innovative. What is more, there haven't been practically any reactions to this policy review, both in South and North Korea. It feels like South Korea wanted to hush things out and discuss a more coordinated approach behind the scenes. As Victor Cha, a senior North Korea expert of the Center for Strategic and International Studies, points out, quote, the fact that Seoul hasn't raised expectations in advance of the summit of some breathtaking proposals suggests a collective realization that Pyongyang is not cycling into a dialogue mode just yet. Indeed, North Korea might await the results of the summit before engaging in typical provocations, such as missile tests, to raise the price for their own return to the negotiating table." Unquote. And as I argued in my very first episode of this podcast, this year could very well become a part of the classical cycle of confrontation between Washington and Pyongyang, like in the 2000s or in the first half of the 2010s. Therefore, this is not surprising that South Korea and the United States are trying to coordinate their positions well in advance before the escalations start again. Specifically, the president of South Korea has been trying really hard to convince the Americans that there is still a need for new engagement strategies with the DPRK. This 2021 meeting between Moon and Biden became a sort of culmination in that respect. Why is this meeting symbolic? Well, naturally, when the heads of state meet, it is always a major political event, that's that. However, there are several specific reasons that immediately come to my mind when I'm thinking about this particular meeting's political context. Now I will try to explain why in greater details. First, South Korea and the United States represent two out of three powers who can exert a lot of influence on the Korean peace process, the third being China. To exert this influence, they actually need to coordinate their actions, which they are doing. Second, the Biden administration in Washington has been actively reviewing its foreign policy approach towards North Korea, as I have mentioned, and this meeting was extremely important to finalize it in coordination with its closest ally. Third, South Korea's President Moon Jae-in is about to finish his term very soon, in less than a year. Therefore, through his active negotiations with the United States, he wants to make sure that his diplomatic legacy in the Korean peace process is preserved and extended. It could also score some political points for his party in the upcoming 2022 presidential election. So, what were the main outcomes of this summit? Well, Biden restated some of the policy review provisions, but also tried to position himself differently if compared to Obama and Trump. In fact, he tried to occupy a middle ground between Obama's strategic patience and Trump's bombastic symmetry. Thus, he is sending a political signal to the domestic audience and foreign policy experts that he understands the flaws of both of his predecessors. At the same time, he positions himself as ready for constructive negotiations with Pyongyang. 
What is more interesting, Biden also confirmed that he would respect the agreements achieved by the previous administration, which is an important gesture of continuation in a small olive branch offered to North Korea. He also reaffirmed his commitment to the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Here, I would like to draw your attention to the phrase Korean Peninsula. Yes, not just North Korea. This basically means that the United States stresses its commitment not to station American tactical nuclear weapons in South Korea and hints that the United States is open to considering some of its extended nuclear weapons capabilities in any future negotiations. The South Korean president was also reassured that the American approach will be, quote, calibrated and practical, end quote, and that the negotiations will be conducted, quote, in a step-by-step -step manner, end quote. The last phrase might be important because there is growing realization in Washington that it would not be possible to completely disarm North Korea in one go. Finally, the Biden administration made an announcement about appointing United States Special Envoy for the DPRK, Mr. Song Kim, who served in a similar role under the Obama administration. On the one hand, this appointment means that the issue of negotiating with North Korea will remain a high priority for the Biden administration. This greatly alleviated the fears of left-wing progressives in South Korea who thought that Washington might ditch the idea altogether. On the other hand, if you ask me, appointing a person who practically oversaw the policy of strategic patience, aka doing nothing, doesn't sound very encouraging for diplomatic creativity. Yet, maybe it is just me being judgy and biased. Anyway, let us come back to the broader meaning of this outpour of diplomatic courtesy. The statements made by President Biden, to which I referred above, serve two main goals, in my understanding. First, Washington needs to calm down and reassure President Moon of its fullest support. Second, Washington needs to signal to North Korea its willingness to negotiate, as well as demonstrate the absence of irrational hostility to Pyongyang. The latter sentiment was mirrored in the statements made by the United States Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Quote, we are waiting to see if Pyongyang actually wants to engage. The ball is in their court. We are prepared to do the diplomacy. The question is, is North Korea? End quote. Indeed, this is a very just question, because so far North Korea has shown no interest in returning talks ever since Biden took office, despite repeated attempts at outreach by Washington. Unless the Americans are seriously considering a step-by-step -step disarmament process, accompanied by gradual lifting of sanctions, Pyongyang is not likely to budge. So, Kim Jong-un might as well kick back and relax, preparing at least a couple of small-scale military provocations for August. That said, not everything looks very rosy for North Korea. There have also been some points raised during the summit which could be a cause of either irritation or even significant concern in Pyongyang. First, sanctions. Secretary Blinken explained that they will remain in place because North Korea continues to engage in activities that are, quote, clearly prohibited by the United Nations, unquote. Secondly, a step-by-step -step approach is not yet firmly established. While some experts in the past year have argued how and why the US should focus on more realistic arms control with the DPRK and even learn to live with a nuclear-armed North Korea, Blinken dismissed this approach as a whole. 
Thirdly, and most importantly, what will make North Korea really unhappy is the termination of the so-called revised missile guidelines by South Korea. These guidelines represented an agreement between South Korea and the United States, which seriously limited South Korea's ballistic missile program. After long consultations with Washington, Seoul finally scrapped the limitations. This revision allows South Korea to significantly increase the payload of its missiles in a restricted fashion, which could represent a direct military threat to Pyongyang. I guess we might hear some angry sounds coming from the DPRK very soon. To wrap things up, I think that this meeting will not result in any major changes in the South Korean-American approach to North Korea. While there was a lot of hype in the mass media, many of the foreign policy analysts I follow were quite skeptical about it. Yes, it is true that Biden appears to be open to negotiations, but given all the domestic problems on his plate, a sudden flurry of diplomatic activities looks quite unlikely on his side. Neither does he seem to be keen on offering any concessions to the DPRK. While Moon has usually been the one who pushed for new diplomatic approaches in the past four years, there is not that much time left for him in the office. A new president will be elected in March 2022 in South Korea. Furthermore, there is not that much South Korea can actually do to assist the DPRK with all the UN sanctions remaining in place. Overall, neither of the presidents wants the North Korean crisis to blow up in their faces, so what they do is nothing short of political theater. Yet it is hard to blame them, considering how ridiculously stubborn Pyongyang can be. What do you think, though? Can the Biden administration achieve a breakthrough in negotiations with the DPRK? Will Moon Jae-in be able to keep his promises of cementing the inter-Korean peace? Leave your opinion in the comments below or in the review section. If you like this episode, please leave a positive review on the podcast platform or make a donation on the podcast's website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. Also, feel free to provide your feedback on this episode's quality and ask any questions about North Korea that you might have. Thank you for listening, stay healthy, and stay tuned.